Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Grace this weekend. Thanks for being here. We're going to start a new series this weekend called It's a Match, my so-called love life. And uh, we're going to be talking about dating and relationships and all that the Bible has to say about that. So I want to kind of give you a, an upfront warning. Uh, this is going to be a PG-13 series, like all the way through, right? So if you're a parent and you've got kids that are younger than junior high and you want to avoid an awkward conversation on the way home in the minivan this afternoon, uh, then you may want to duck out and check into power kids and do all that kind of stuff. If you're not afraid of that, then don't blame me, I warned you. Uh, don't send me the email, I'll delete it, won't read it. So just know that ahead of time. We're going we're gonna to uh, dig into this a little bit, and this weekend's going to be a little bit different than other weekends. Normally, if you're our guest here this weekend, uh, normally at Grace what we'll do is we'll uh, uh, take a passage of the Bible and dig into it very deeply. Uh, we believe very strongly in God's Word, that it, it is the Word of God. It's authoritative, it's complete, it's inspired. Uh, this weekend, I'm going to take you into the Scripture a little bit, but I, I need to lay down some uh, groundwork for this series. And so um, I decided to approach this weekend a little bit differently. Um, Heidi and I were in, uh, and our kids were in uh, Florida all week, which was great. It was sunny, it was warm, it was beautiful, and now we're home. And so, uh, but I was uh, flying home uh, on Friday, and I was just at the airport for a few hours waiting on my flight, and I was kind of tuning up things for this weekend, and I just decided there's so much on my heart and so much on my mind uh, why I want to do this series in the first place that I thought it was important to kind of take the weekend and share that with you. And I think as, as I do that, as we move forward, the rest of what we're talking about will make more sense. It'll have a, a, a broader context for you, okay? So we're gonna uh, approach things a little bit differently uh, this weekend. Uh, about a year ago, I read a book by a guy named Andy Stanley. He's one of my favorite authors, and uh, I love his podcast and stuff like that. The book is called uh, New Rules for Sex and Dating. And that will actually be in the bookstore next weekend if you want to get a copy of it. But uh, if you read that book, you'll find as you go through it that he has influenced my thoughts a lot. You're going to, have, you're going to see that some of what he's uh, talked about is woven through my conversations as well. So just know that as a groundwork and grab that book and read it. You'll find it valuable. Uh, the reason I want to do this series, this has been a couple years in the making uh, for me. It's something that we've been cooking on for a while. I've been thinking about it a lot and uh, decided that uh, the, the time was right and we were able to kind of get on the counter, organize it. And th the motivation for this series really comes out of, of me dealing with marriages and uh, kind of a discouragement and uh, sometimes a frustration and a lot of heartbreak for people that I love, watching them go through very, very painful things. So I deal with marriages a lot, right? So I, I'm a, I'm, I've been a pastor for 23 years. Uh, I'm a dad, I'm a brother, I'm a friend. And so th this stuff shows up in, in my life a lot. And it's been fascinating to kind of observe what, what goes on in our, our marriage relationships and how that uh, affects us. So marriage is a big deal. It's a big deal to God, right? So the, the breakdown of marriage, the, the distortion of marriage that's in our culture right now is a really big deal because one of the primary ways that God explains himself to us is through the marriage covenant. And that's what a marriage is supposed to do. When you, when you look at two people being married, you're supposed to understand God. So when that 
pitcher breaks down or that pitcher is distorted, it actually messes up our interaction with, with God. That's why God hates divorce. And that's why God is so uh, defined in what a marriage is and what a marriage isn't. So when you look at kind of the state of marriages today, um, what you'll find is a bunch of distortion and a, and a bunch of, of broken and painful relationships. So we know, we know off the top that 50% of marriages fail eventually, right? And, and most of us have grown up that way. Uh, the majority of us have grown up in a broken home. So we know that off the top. Then when you take those 50% that are left, if you look at those marriages, what you'll find are varying degrees of health, right? So you'll find some people that are like stuck in a marriage, like financially, legally, like what, what am I supposed to do? I guess I just have to survive this and live it. Uh, you'll have people who are motivated to stay together because they're pretending, but they actually have like a, a deadline date, like when our youngest graduates from high school, we're gonna end our marriage. Uh, you have people that are just kind of in grumpy marriages, like your, you know, grandma and grandpa all that way a lot. Like, you know, she nags, he pretends he's deaf. And, and that, that's like the marriage, you know, and, and that, that's what it looks like. And then you look at even, even people who are looking and saying, well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a follower of Christ. And the Bible says don't get divorced, so I'm not getting divorced. And like that's the motivation for marriage. The marriage is about not divorcing and you look at it, so 50% are gone. Of the 50% that are left, there's that whole kind of different stratas of marriage. And when you look at that closely, what you'll find is there's a very small minority of marriages that are happy and healthy and thriving and affectionate and sexual and, and all the things that you would hope a marriage would be. And they're actually hard to find. In fact, if, if I said, th- think, of, think of the happily married people that you know in your life, the, the list would come to mind quickly and it would be short. Now this is what happens. If I'm a teenager or if I'm a college student or in my 20s and I come to church, I come to Grace Church, Grace Church is gonna teach the Bible, the Bible's gonna say marriage, right? Don't have sex before you're married, don't live together before you're married, all that kind of stuff's in the Bible. Marriage is God's idea, marriage is God's covenant, all that kind of good stuff. I'm gonna, I'm gonna look, I'm gonna be over here, I'm gonna look at the examples of marriage in my life, and I'm gonna be like, that's God's idea? Like, they don't even like each other that much. They, they, they barely get along, they're kind of surviving, like they don't talk, they don't hold hands, they don't walk together. I don't want that. It, it, you're telling me that that's what God, what, does God hate my guts or something? Why, why would I want that? I don't want that. What I want is I want to be loved. So I want love. I want someone who will love me and be devoted to me and care for me. And, and, and be faithful to me and enjoy me and celebrate me. That's what I want. And I don't see any of that over there. I see two people who are kind of like old, like they're in their like 40s. They're like old and they're like stuck together. But I want something differently. In fact, it's fascinating. The Bible, the, grab your Bibles, open them up to, uh, to 1 Corinthians 13. It's page 800 in those Bibles that are in your chairs. And I, I'll just show you this real quick. God defines what love is here. We're gonna talk a bunch about this passage over the next few weeks, but we're gonna kind of just kind of glance off the very top of it here this weekend. So God says this is what love is. He says love is patient, love is kind. 
It doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, it's not proud, it does not dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And if I'm a high school or college student, or if I'm single, I'm gonna look at this passage and I'd be like, I'm, I'm down for that. Like, I would be all about that. I would love someone who is patient with me, kind, celebrates me. They're not proud, they're not envious, they're, they're selfless, they're, they're not always honked off all the time, they don't throw my past up in my face, they don't delight in evil, they protect me, I can trust them, always hopes, always a love that never fails. I want that when I look at the examples of marriages in my life, I don't see any of that. Like my dad took a hike, my mom wigged out, that's what I see. And so there's this big disconnect, right, between what God says is good and right and what he wants for us and what the reality of that is. And then I would look and I would say that, that what I want is something different. I don't even want that. I'm not even motivated to go toward that, right? Now, here, here's the thing with it. When I look at all of that, um, I look and say, uh, over the years, all these marriage, I've done a, like a gazillion weddings. I would look and say those grumpy old people over here, they want what you want. Isn't that interesting? They want what you want. In fact, the reason they got married is because they thought they had found it. So I've done a gazillion weddings. I've never done a wedding where the, the people have come before us and said, um, I commit to love you for better, for worse, for sickness and health, for richer, for poor, for death, do this part, but I don't really mean it. We'll probably be divorced in three years. Nobody ever says that because nobody ever thinks that. Nobody ever thinks that it's going to be miserable. Nobody ever thinks that, you know what, I, I, wanna, I love you. You're amazing. You light up my life. You're the wind beneath my wings. I put a ring on it. You know, whatever. It, it, right? I, I, nobody, nobody ever looks at each other and says that and then says, and I can't wait to be financially dependent on you so that I can't get away from you and be stuck with you for the rest of my life. <laughs> Maybe you'll die young and I'll get the life insurance policy. Right? No, nobody ever, ever thinks that. They, they want what you want, but they don't have it. And, and listen, if you're married and you're older, you just need to admit that. Let's quit pretending that that's not true. Because for the vast majority of marriages, it is true. And if I'm a teenager, or if I'm in my 20s and I'm looking at that, and they're drawing the conclusion of I want love, but I don't want that, you have to look and say they have a point, because they do. So, so what, what happens in all of that? And, and, and how does that disconnect go down? And, and this, is, this is what I've learned. When marriages are struggling, by the time we're ready to focus on our marriage, and by the time we're ready to work at our marriage, and by the time we become teachable with our marriage, by the time you wind up in my office or Pastor Robbie's office and, and you're working on your marriage, there is so much pain and so much water under the bridge and so much disillusionment that's happened that you, you are up against a, a huge obstacle with that. Because that marriage breaks down. We, we marry because we love each other. Nobody intended for things to fall apart. Now they're falling apart. We're five, 10, 20 years into that relationship. And now there's all this pain. 
And, and now we're undoing five, 10, 20 years of pain, 20 years of words that can't be unsaid, Tw- 20 years of bad decisions, 20 years of disillusionment. And, and I, I used to get, uh, just as a, as a pastor and a friend, I used to get so mad at people They'd come into my office, I'd be like, oh, you're just a diphthong. Like, I can't believe, look it up. Yeah, I can't believe that, that this is happening, right? And what, what I would do is they would come into my office 15 years down the road, somebody would finally throw in the towel. Somebody would have an affair. Somebody would look up their high school sweetheart on Facebook. Like somebody would do something stupid and they would be there because the stupid thing happened, right? And I would wanna wring their neck, and by the way, your neck deserves to be wrung if you do something stupid. Don't hear me justifying anything. And I would be so mad, and then I would counsel them, and I would give them insight from God's word and some life experiences and you know, re- relating from my own marriage to Heidi and all these kind of things. And what I found was this. I found that, that generally they couldn't compute it. That, that they did not have a foundation in their relationship that allowed them to have a healthy marriage. And so I'm talking about stuff that they've never thought about, they've never experienced, they never engaged in, and they've been married forever. So to start to unwind it, and by the way, it can be unwound, and God can heal and God can change. Hear me say that, there is no such thing as a dead marriage. But the process of unwinding that and the process of working through that pain and the process of going backwards is difficult and painful. And this is what the conclusion I've come to. I, I've, I've thought by the time we're there, we're working on symptoms. If we could backtrack this and work on solutions, and I've become convinced that the solution to building strong marriages is actually, are you ready, listening, look at me, is actually learning to date correctly. If we could date each other correctly, we would build the right foundations to have a healthy marriage because it's in our dating that we, we learn to interact with each other. It's in our dating that we set expectations for our marriage. In fact, if, you're, if, you, if you've ever interacted with somebody with a painful marriage, what they'll do in the middle of their marital pain, they'll compare their present reality in their marriage to their dating life. I do this all the time. I'll be counseling couples. I'll talk to them, and, and I'll say, uh, you know, they'll be at war with each other, war with each other, and I'll, I'll look at him, and I'll say, listen, can, tell me, why did you marry her? I have no idea why I married her, right? That's, a, that's how it always starts. Biggest mistake of my life. I'm like, all right, get it out of your system. Feel better. Now, talk to me. Why did you marry her? This is what they'll say every time. Well, when we were dating, when we were dating, she thought I was funny. When we were dating, she thought I was smart. When we were dating, she, she was my cheerleader. When we were dating, she was like affection. She was all over me when we were dating, right? We couldn't, couldn't keep her hands off. Now we haven't had sex in months, right? She was all sexy when we were dating. I haven't seen lingerie in 15 years, right? That's, that's the way they'll go. They'll go back and they'll compare that to dating. I'll talk to her. Why did you marry him? I don't know. I don't know. I should have listened to my mother. She was right the whole time, right? Right, and by the way, ladies, that's the way it sounds. But right, so it's a, right, so it, now settle down. Why did you marry him? Well, when we were dating, 
he always paid attention to me. He would text me love text all the time, which is notes. If you're over 40, it's like a note, right? So he would text me that all the time. He, he, would, he paid attention to me. He would listen. He was patient. His words were gentle. He adored me, right? And they'll go back to dating and say, what I expected, what I wanted, and my reality are very, very different things, okay? Now, dating, listen, it's in dating that, that dating is the phase of the relationship where we're choosing our marriage partner, right? So when I'm dating, what I'm doing is I'm interviewing. That's, that's what we're doing. And I'm looking, at, and it's in dating where, where I make conclusions, and I, I, I draw conclusions, and I make decisions, and I, it's dating that leads to engagement, what leads to marriage. So dating is this hugely critical time in our relationship with each other. It's in dating where we lay down habits that we expect in marriage. Well, he was always attentive, and she always cared. She always held my hand, and we then look and say, ooh, if she's like this in dating, and I, this will be our whole life, I can do this. This is what I want. Those habits become expectations in marriage. It, it's, in, it's in dating that we build the foundation off of which our marriages are created. Now, listen, if you're, if you're single, you're in high school, college, you're single, listen to me. Those unhappy people wanted the same thing that you want. Those people, you look at those marriages, you're like, I don't want that. Those people, they expected the same thing that you expect, right? Your mom and dad were into each other when they were dating. Think about that a little bit, right? So were your grandparents. Think about that one for a little bit, right? They were totally into each other when they were dating, right? Because that's how a couple works. Our, Heidi and the kids and I were down at Universal in Orlando for a few days, and you guys ever, uh, when you go to Cedar Point or you go to an amusement park and you wait in line, what do the couples do while they're waiting in line? What do they do? They, yeah, they make out. That's right. It's a great way to pass three hours. They, they make out. I, I offered it to Heidi. She wasn't interested. But, uh, right, it's a, yeah, they, why? Because they're so in love and they're so into each other. Everybody who's ever been married was like that. They wanted what you wanted. They had the expectations that you have. Ready? And they probably dated the way that you date. They did the same things that you're doing now, and that's the outcome that they got, the one that you don't want, right? Now, this is the issue. In our culture, dating is a big deal, dating is when we choose, dating is how we know, dating is what we expect, but in our culture, generally, dating is godless. There's no, Christ isn't the center point of our relationship with each other when we date, right? So think about it, why would we, why would marriage change that? If he, if he, if you're dragging him to church now, if he's not praying with you now, if he's not leading you now, why do you think he's gonna do devotions with your kids and protect you spiritually when you're married? That doesn't even make sense. Dating is generally God's. In our culture, and for most of us, dating was immoral. The vast majority of people marry, they've slept together before they're married, they're sexually immoral. 
morality and all the protections and all the hopes and the, and the godliness that comes with morality, that's not a part of our dating life, right? In fact, usually our dating lives are the exact opposite. And so there's no morality, that's not worked into the fabric of, of, of who we date. And for, for most people, dating is shallow. Why do you ask a girl out? What first attracts you to her? Because she's what? She is, she's hot, right? She's hot. That's the first thing I noticed. Oh, she's hot. Well, here's the thing. You can marry her, she's hot. But when she's 50, she's not. <laughs> right? The Bible says that. Beauty is fleeting. It's going to go away. That rock-hard body that you like so much, it ain't going to be there when she's 50. Right? What, what first attracted you to him? Right? He's hot. He, he's ripped. He's ripped. Ladies, when he's 50, he's not. Not everybody gonna look like this when they're middle-aged, okay? Only a few, only a few, right? He's not gonna be that way anymore. He's not gonna be a stud athlete anymore. He's gonna be barely able to play church league softball when he's 50. It goes away. Now listen, if he married you because you're hot and now you're not, what's he gonna look for? If she married you because you're a young stud, what's she gonna look for? The foundations are shallow, the outcomes are predictable, and everyone who's in a marriage that you look and say, I don't want that, I don't respect that, I don't like that, I don't cherish that, they wanted what you wanted, they thought what you thought, and they dated the way that you date. So, what I want to propose is another option. What if there was a different way to approach dating? What if, what if we put down a different foundation? Would we get a different outcome out of it? Is there more than one option? Because everybody says this is, this is the way that you date. But I would propose to you that somebody who's an amazing girlfriend very well may not be a great wife. Somebody who's just a crazy boyfriend may not be a great husband. That girl with that rock hard body who's into herself and she's always looking hot, she's not gonna stay up all night and nurse her children. She's gonna be too attached to her body to do that. That guy who walks around and he's king of the campus and he's amazing at everything, He's not gonna stay up all night and take care of your dying mother. He's gonna be too absorbed in himself. That, that, that stud that you marry, he's just incredible, and he's just amazing. He's not gonna set aside his dreams so that you can chase yours. He won't do that now. Why would marriage change that? That sexy, sweet thing, She's not gonna care for your dying father all day and then stay up with your sick children all night. And what you want is love. What you want is devotion. What you want is selflessness. What you want is commitment. But the path we take is not the path that leads us to those places. What if there is a different way what if there's another idea? What if there's a different option than the one that is generally presented to us and the one that we all just kind of participate in and we don't really think about it? 
There's two big ideas that I wanna propose to us throughout the course of this series. We're gonna talk about it for a few weeks, all right? And here's, here's the two big ideas. It's a paradigm shift. Maybe a different option or a different path. Here, here's the first one. Here, here's a weird sentence for you, but it'll, it'll make you remember it because it's weird. Here it is, ready? First idea, in the future, your present will become your past and will define your present. Catch that? In the future, your present will become your past and will define your present. What you do today will become yesterday and yesterday will define today. The decisions that we make today affect our future and our past always affects our present. So if I wanted a different future that was gonna be affected in a different way, the way to accomplish that is to change what I do today. What if I made different decisions today? What if I lived what the Bible would call wisely today? What if I invested in my relationship differently today? Would it give me a different outcome than everybody else is getting? See, in the future, my present will become my past, and my past will always affect my present. It's just the way that it is. So if I focused differently, could I have a different outcome? Now here's another statement. This is gonna kinda be a big part of what we talk about over this series. Here it is. Second idea is this. What if I become the person I'm looking for? What if I become the person I'm looking for? In the book that I recommended, uh, New Rules for Sex and Dating, Annie Stanley tells this great story about this young woman and she lived a, a, a normal life and kind of did kind of the normal dating thing, right? So lost her virginity in high school somewhere, uh, you know, kind of did the, the after prom sex thing, went to college, did the normal freshman in college, ain't no strings on me kind of a thing, uh, partied, slept around, kind of did the normal thing. She wasn't like sleazy or anything like that. She just kind of lived a normal life, became a young professional, kind of kept up the college life on the weekends, kind of lived that way, got to her early 30s and decided that she had kind of done it. You know, she kind of lived the YOLO life for people over 40. She had sown her wild oats and was kind of like done with it, right? She got to her early 30s and she decided, what I want is I want a guy that will help me change. I, I want a guy that will love me, be patient with me, be kind to me, not be competitive with my career, a guy I can trust, a guy that I can believe in, a guy that will believe in me. And she even started going to church a little bit, so she wanted a guy that was at least like had spirituality on the mind kind of a thing. And, and that's what she wanted. In the book, Andy says she went home and she told her mom, she said, mom, I'm looking for all of these qualities in a guy, I've decided this is what I want in life. And Andy says her mom looked at her and she said, oh sweetie, guys like that don't date girls like you. And in the book he says she broke into tears because she knew her mom was right. What if I become the person I'm looking for instead of looking for a person who will change me? If I meet Mr. Right, then suddenly some weird way he'll fulfill all my needs. If I meet the right girl, she'll help me grow up, right? It's the classic country song, she changed me kind of a thing, right? What if I become that person? If you look here back at 1 Corinthians 13, 
loves patience, kind, it doesn't envy, doesn't boast, it's not proud, it doesn't dishonor, it's, it's not self-seeking. We would all look and say, I want a person like that. I want a person who's patient with me, who's kind with me. Like, yeah, I'd be all about that. Not self-seeking, wants to give themselves to me. Uh, love is not easily angered. That's what I want. I don't want to marry Mr. Temper Tantrum. I want, to, I want somebody that lets me grow and change and mature and, and become. It's not, keeps no record of wrongs. Like, I want a person that doesn't throw my past up in my face. In 2008, you did, right? So I want a person that kind of lets me move on. Does not delight in evil, always rejoices with the truth, always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. I want somebody like that. I want to be able to trust them. I don't want them to delight in evil. I want them to, to delight in purity, like being faithful to me, loyal to me. I want, I, want to, I want to know that when they're not in my presence that they're still honoring those things. I want someone that never fails. Like we're, we're gonna grow old together. I actually like that idea. Like that's what I want in a person. And what I'm saying is instead of looking for a person like this, what if you become it? What if you become the patient person? and the kind person, see? What if you become the trustworthy person? What if you become the selfless person? This is what I've observed over the years. I've observed that birds of a feather dysfunction together. Broken people find broken people and then they break. I've also find that birds of a feather thrive together. Healthy people attract healthy people and they create healthy things and God tends to give his best to his best what if we did it differently what if we chose a different today and we wound up with a different tomorrow and what if I became what I was looking for and maybe God gives his best to his best and maybe we would have a different outcome because everybody with a broken marriage wanted what you wanted. Everybody with a broken marriage meant what you mean. Everybody with a broken marriage desired what you desired and everybody with a broken marriage dated the way you dated. Could we put down a different foundation? Could we think through things in a different way and maybe through that we could get a different outcome? What if we did it differently? Just saying, it's an idea. What, what if we chased our dreams instead of our instincts? What if a life of being loved is more attractive than a hookup on spring break? Than an after prom sex night? What if, what if that drove us instead of our instincts driving us? What if we teed up our tomorrows by becoming the person we're looking for today? Would that change the outcome if we did it differently? Now, when I was sitting at the airport dreading coming home into a snowstorm, I was thinking about this and I thought, if I was you listening to me, what might I think, right? If I was you listening to me, what might I think? And so I was trying to put myself like in the, like different phases of my life, you know, and what I might think. So I bet you there's a group of us that, that might say, Jeff, I'm, I am the young person, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm 17, I'm 21, like this, you, you sow your wild oats, you live the YOLO life, like you just go for it. Everything is available and free and this is the time that you get it out of your system. 
I don't even want a relationship and I don't, I'm not even thinking about marriage. I just want to be young, crazy, and free. And, and I would say to you, I actually don't believe you. I don't believe you. And I don't think you should believe that about yourself. If that was true, you would never be jealous when she was talking to somebody else. If that was, if all you ever wanted was, if you just want sex, then, then you would not be like trolling his Twitter feed and getting in his Snapchat story to see if he's talking about you or not, right? You, you, wouldn't, you, wouldn't be, you wouldn't have that knot in your stomach that maybe the relationship's coming to an end. I, I actually just don't believe you. And I don't think you should believe yourself because every one of us, like when we're young and free, we'll take sex if it's offered to us, but it's not what we want down deep. What we actually want, by the way, you don't even have to be young, right? What we actually want is love. What we actually want is devotion. What we actually want is, is to be loved and the opportunity to love someone else. That's why Hollywood endings are appealing because it, it's, it's not because they're dumb, it's because it's actually what we want. So if I was you listening to me, I might say that because I, 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 I would be defensive. I just know myself, I usually am, right? I would say that, but I just don't believe you. And you don't believe you down deep, right? Because we want something different. Then I thought, if I was you listening to me, and I was, if I was dating this way, um, I would probably look at me and say, Jeff, I knew you were gonna say this. I knew, I knew that this is the way it's gonna start because I've been coming to Grace for a long time and you're, you always say it. You know, don't sleep together, don't live together. Don't sleep together, don't I should get a tattoo. Don't sleep together, don't live together, right? As I, so so we, you know it, right? And you know it a thousand times and you knew that somewhere in the course of this series that was, that was gonna come up. Now, this is what I would say to you. You and I have already chosen that this is the way our relationship's gonna work. So you've heard me say it a thousand times and you've decided that you're not gonna buy into it a thousand times. And by the way, I know that. I'm not naive about how our relationship works. So you and I have already decided that that's the way our relationship is and we've decided to love each other anyways, right? I love you, I think you love me. I'm not particularly offended by you ignoring what I say. God's offended, but I'm not. I'm used to it, right? So it's fine, that, that's our relationship. It, it's, it, honestly, it's no big deal. We'll still be friends and, and hang out, okay? Here's what I would say to you. I'm sleeping together, I'm living together. Right, I, you would say, I, I'm fine with that, I want a relationship with be like that. And I would say to you, like, are you really? Come on, because when you're sleeping together, you're living together, and you've been doing that for a while, and when you lay in bed at night, and you're thinking, you're wondering why he won't put a ring on it. I know you are. You're, you're wondering, if we're sleeping together and we're sharing a bank account and we're like sharing life and we've got our own house, and why won't she say yes? And, and even though you're doing all those kind of things, if you're doing everything in marriage except being married, you're insecure about that. Because it, both of you have an out clause and you're both saying you don't want to take it, but you won't buy in. So, 
you're going to do what you're going to do. I know that. that that's, that's true with everybody, by the way, right? God's word also says the tithe, and we know how that goes, don't we? Right? So you're going to do what you're going to do. I'm just saying, is there, is there something else to consider? Is there a conversation worth having? And, and maybe it's worth thinking it through differently because gazillions of people choose the path you've chosen and you don't want their life. That's part of why you won't get married. You're afraid of it. You're afraid that marriage will ruin your relationship. See? By the way, I'd say it's fair. But is it, does it have to be that way? Or did, maybe did they mess it up as they went along? Can we think about something different? Now, if I was you listening to me, where I'm at in my life right now, I would think to myself, Jeff, I'm married. Like, I'm, I'm done, right? Uh, so I'm gonna bring my kids, make them listen. That's gonna go well. Uh, I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm, gonna send the, I'm gonna send the video to my, my kid that's in college. They'll watch that and take notes for sure, right? So I, I, I'm married and like I'm over. And, and I, I'm that way too a little bit, right? I, I feel that way about exercise. Like I'm married, I got nothing to work on anymore. Mission accomplished, right? So like many of us are like that. And I would say, okay, I'm glad you're married. Are you happy? Oh, yeah, I'm really happy. I know, but if she wasn't sitting beside you, how, how would you answer that question? Is your marriage happy? Is it joyful? Is it thriving? Is it affectionate? Is it sexual? Is it what you thought it was gonna be when you said, I do? See? Because the vast majority aren't. Most of them fail. A bunch of us are hanging on. A bunch of us are existing. A bunch of, and then there's a few that are everything we hope they would be. Is that yours? And here's what I would say. I actually believe, I've come to believe, that the key to your marriage being what you want it to be is dating. Is dating. The things that set down the foundation for a marriage are the same things that keep it alive and thriving and happy and sexy and fun. So there's probably a bunch to pick up through this whole thing, right? And by the way, I think this applies to everybody. It doesn't matter how old you are. We all want the same thing. I was talking to a guy last night after service, Saturday night services where people who love Jesus the most come to church. And he... Uh, he was talking to me and he said, hey, he goes, are you gonna say anything about a, a single 72-year-old guy that wants to date? I'm like, well, not specifically, but I'll put the word out for you. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> if you're looking, I know a guy, right? So, right, it, it, it never goes away. God created us to love each other. He created us to want to be with each other. He created us to be sexual. It never goes away. Here's the last thing I thought. I thought if I was you listening to me and I was thinking about my life and my past, I didn't accept Christ until I was a junior in college, I would think I'm the washed up guy. I'm, I did everything that you're talking about, Jeff, and now I'm broken and I'm used and I'm that person. I'm on marriage number 
I lost track of my sex partners like a decade ago. Like I am that person. There is no hope for me having a God relationship. And I would say to you, that is absolutely, completely false. The Bible is crystal clear. We, talk, we talked about this all last weekend. God is a God of the resurrection. What God's business is making dead things come alive. And there is no such thing as a washed up person in Christ. There's no such thing as a dead marriage in Christ. There's no such thing. The Bible says that in Christ, when I come to Christ, I'm a new creation. The old's gone, the new has come. The Bible says that when I accept Christ as my savior and repent of my sins, God takes my sins and he throws them as far as the east is from the west. He buries them on the bottom of the sea. He forgets about them. There is no condemnation. There's no legal accusation against those who are in Christ Jesus because we've been justified, we've been sanctified, we've been purified through the blood of Christ. You are a new creation. A follower of Jesus is not defined by our past. We're defined by our future. And it's the grace of God and the forgiveness of God that need to be at the forefront of your mind. Whether you were sinful in your dating relationship and you're married now, and we'll talk about that as we go, whether your whole life is marked by this, you can be a new creation now. There is no such thing as being washed up and done. There's no such thing as a marriage that cannot be fixed. I was talking to a couple last night. They came up to me. They said, Jeff, I know them, but they said, "Do do you know our marriage story? And I didn't. I said, no, what, what's your deal? And they said, we've been, we were married for 10 years. He said, I blew it up. I was drinking, I was drugging. I blew my life up, I blew her life up. We got divorced. We were divorced for a year and a half. I came to Christ, Christ completely changed my life and we've been remarried, we've been remarried for 32 years. I said, so when you combine it all, how long have you been married? He said, well, if you take the divorce out, we've been married for 42 years. If you put the divorce in, it's been 43 and a half. There is no, <laughs> there is no such thing. There is no such thing as a person who God cannot change. There's no such thing as a dead marriage. I'm looking in the room right now, I, I will, Talk to me afterwards. I will take you and introduce you to people who are here right now that God has done a miracle like that in their life. You are not used up. You may have done it all wrong. You may be doing it wrong now. But you're not used up. You're not thrown away. We need to change. We need to repent. We need to submit. We need to learn a bunch of stuff. But if I was you listening to me, I would listen to me say, you're not washed up, you're not used up. We just need to pick a different path, right? We need to pick a different path. That's what we're gonna talk about here for the next few weeks. We're gonna talk about how, how do you meet somebody? How do you know they're the right person? How do you build a right relationship? I wanna give you tools and insights from the Bible that probably nobody's ever shared with you before. Uh, One of the biggest reasons why we don't date well is nobody teaches us how to date. So we're gonna let God teach us how to do this. Actually, the Bible will talk a lot about it. And I'm gonna give you tools, I'm gonna give you parameters, I'm gonna gonna give you a, a framework to work within. And then you have to decide what to do with it, like all things, right? That's between you and God. But I wanna, I wanna lay that out for you. 
Uh, in a couple weeks, we're gonna have a conversation that's, that's specifically to women. So you bring your girlfriend, bring your wife, bring your daughter, bring your mom, bring your grandma, you never know. Right? We're, gonna, we're gonna have a, a conversation specifically with women and what God has to say about that and how that can show up in the dating relationship, why it's important. And then the week after that, we're gonna have a conversation specifically with men. So bring your husband, right? Bring your son, bring your grandpa, right? And we're gonna talk about specifically what God has to say to us about being the person, because we're gonna work on becoming who we're looking for. So we're gonna break it out that way. And then kind of everything in between. And we're gonna have a blunt conversation. We're gonna have an open conversation. And I'll be honest with you, I'm just gonna kind of lay it all out there because I am very, very tired of people I love hurting. I'm weary of it. I'm not mad at you. I hurt for you. And so much of it is avoidable. But nobody ever taught you. Nobody ever showed you a different path. All we have is what's around us. And I want you to know that there are other options. There are other ways we can go, right? So I'm gonna lay it out there for you. You do with what you want with it. I'm gonna show you what God's word says. He's the one that created us to want and love and even be sexual, so he's the one that tends to know how to do that in a right way. And then we'll consider those things and see if we make different decisions today, if we can have a different tomorrow by becoming the person that we're looking for, right? Sound like fun? I'm gonna have fun, I'm gonna be here. You can show up if you want to, right? But I think it's gonna be great. I think it's gonna be valuable and it's gonna be fun to dig out together, okay? All right. I'm gonna ask the band to come out as they do. I'm gonna pray and uh, they're gonna take us to a few songs so we can just spend some time with God and then uh, we'll start digging into all this in a big way next week. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for loving us. God, help us with this, Lord. Uh, the biblical word is ignorance or we just don't know lord no one is making this argument in our culture no one is throwing this out and so god help us to find that and discover it and see your heart and your plan with it god as that comes out of us help us to lower our defenses to open our minds to open our hearts to humble ourselves not just be convinced of what we already think and know and to consider god what you have to say and to to perhaps see a different path so guide us each step of the way lord thank you for loving us enough to help us with that and help us to receive that help from you in your name jesus we pray amen